You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. We're going to look at John chapter 14, beginning at verses 15 through 21. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. Soon I will leave this world and they will see me no longer. But you will see me because I will live again and you will come alive too. So when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Release your spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, come. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you have ordained for us as your sons and daughters, as the church today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. We looked last week at one of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and we see it that when he was on the mountain in Matthew chapter 28, which we associate with the Great Commission. And as we come to that place, we, we find in the Great Commission that the Lord tells us to go and to baptize and to teach, not content, but obedience. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So you do need to know a little bit about the commandments of the Lord. But the most important thing is we need to learn how to obey. And to me, to me when, when I read this, the Passion Translation of John 14, it's just like, wow, here, here's the key. What's the secret to obedience? It's not that you are going to grit your teeth and just knuckle it under and just say, I'm going to obey the Lord and I'm not going to sin. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And you just, just muster it up. No. If you do that, guess what? You're going to wear yourself out and you're going to fall back into the same patterns that you've been in. But here we find that the key to learning how to obey is learning how to love him. It's in loving the Lord Jesus. It's in loving the Father. It's in loving the Holy Spirit. It's in our love relationship that we learn obedience to his commands. We learn how to obey. It comes out of love. You have somebody that's over you and they tell you what to do. And you may have to do it because if you don't, they won't give you a paycheck. 
You have someone that's in charge and that's over you, and you do what they tell you to do, because if you don't, there might be a price that you'll have to pay. You might not get a kiss for a whole week. I don't want that. So we obey. But there's a difference between obedience that comes out of constraint and an obedience that follows out of a passionate heart of love. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And he's talking about one of the most incredible gifts that we ever receive, and that's the Holy Spirit. Now, if you, <clears throat> if you have a critical ear and you read the passage, you may have found yourself bristling at a couple points in the reading of the scripture. I know I find my, myself, I bristle, that's that little inside saying, what? That's not right, is it? That can't, what, the description, what's it say in the Greek? Anybody do anything like that? Yeah, yeah, we, we wanna get down and find out what's actually being said. Well, here is what Jesus prays for us. He asks the Father, he makes a petition. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior? Huh. The Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, he will never leave you. Here, another Savior, <laughs> another comforter, another counselor, another defense attorney. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. But here, the word for another is, is really rather unique. It's not an another that's different than. It's like, you know, let me give you a piece of fruit. Now let me give you another piece of fruit. Well, the first one I gave you was an apple. The second one I gave you was an orange. And it's like, hmm? But here in the Greek, the word for another is the word of the same kind. So if I gave you an apple, here's another apple. And that's what he's saying. Here, the Lord Jesus is our savior and he's going to give us another savior. Why, why, does, why do they use savior? Because good evangelical Christian conservatives, don't you just feel something funny going on inside saying another savior? The reason why Brian Simmons translated this savior is because the, the normal counselor, comforter, helper, uh, the paraclete is the one who's been called to come alongside of us. Yeah. He's been called to us. It just doesn't do justice. When we look at, at, at paraclete, in the Aramaic, prak means to end, finish, or to save. And lita means the curse. And so we, we find when we use the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He's the one who's come as the Lord Jesus has sacrificed his, his life on the cross to break the curse of sin so that sin is dealt with. Now the Holy Spirit comes to empower us so that the power of sin in our life is completely broken so that we can walk in step with the Holy Spirit. It's like, wow, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, the scripture tells us. Mm. 
He is a redeemer who ends the age of the curse. Jesus dies and makes the sacrifice. He's buried, he's raised, resurrected on the third day. He has conquered death and sin. And now he gives and imparts on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit to come into us so that not only has the, the condition of sin been dealt with, but now the ability to walk in step with the Holy Spirit is ours. So we never sin again. Everybody here is perfect. Nobody said a bad word this week. Nobody had a bad thought. Nobody did a bad deed. Mm. That's what we need to understand. It's our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with the completed work, the finished work of the cross and the Lord Jesus Christ. But now as he's sent as his emissary to the earth, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, he is the one that lives within us and unlocks all the resources that we need to walk intimately with the Lord. The problem is, the church, we've done a really poor job of explaining this, and as a result, we, we, we think and we've, we've taught, you know, and it's, it's how much you know your Bible. Now, mind you, I'm not against knowing your Bible. Go ahead, know your Bible, read your Bible, study your Bible, do all the good stuff in the, in the scriptures. But without the Holy Spirit, sometimes when I read the scripture, I'm just reading words on a page. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the words on the page become living. And they, they speak to me in a way <laughs> that only touches my heart in such a profound way that it makes a change. And when I realize that, and that I, I, I start to understand the scripture that says that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so I've got a, 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 a stewardship of my body. I gotta, I gotta make sure that I'm taking care of my body. Now, I've been putting a little too much into my body and I've, I've got to get a little more exercise in my body because it's a stewardship. It's something that you can't do for me. It's something I can't do for you. It's something that you and the Holy Spirit and me and the Holy Spirit have to work out and realize, okay, we've got a stewardship. These natural bodies aren't going to last forever. Matter of fact, I had a full head of hair at one time. And, and so when, 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 we, when we realize that there's a, there's a sense in our natural body that it's, it's in a process of decay, but in the scriptures, it says our inside is moving from one degree of glory to another that there's something about the life of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit's presence that's activating, that's causing us to go ever increasingly, becoming more and more alive. Now I'm 68, I'm just a young pup compared to some of you. Some of you, I'm an old dog, <laughs> but I feel like a, a young kid. If, if I could get my innards to really speak, you know, I feel like I've just started kindergarten in the kingdom of God. 
There's so much to know, so much to learn, so much to enjoy, so much to experience, so much that now that I've, I've pushed some of this religious stuff off to the side that was restricting the intimacy that I could have with God, and now I come into a place of realizing He loves me. He really loves me. It's, it's like, wow, He loves all of me. Not just my best moments, He loves all of me. And he's never embarrassed by me. You know, I get embarrassed. He never gets embarrassed. Anything I do, he doesn't have to pretend like, oh, I didn't see that. No, he sees it all. And his love is poured out because he knows the only way that we're going to come into that passionate, intimate relationship with him is as we get to know him for who he is. Not as we get to know about him, but as we get to know him. And it's in the knowing of him that we move to a whole new uh, vista of life, of like, this is amazing. I never knew he was this good. Do you know that God's good? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we say that, we talk about it and all that, but it's when we begin to encounter his goodness that it really makes an imprint on our heart. It really causes us to realize, oh, I've just been given lip service to this and he is wanting me to know him for who he is because he absolutely loves me. The petition of Jesus is that he's going to ask the Father to give us another. And if, you, if you're choking on Savior, <laughs> just know this is a word that he's trying to really help us understand that Holy Spirit is more than just uh, a helper. He is God with us, just as Jesus is God with us. He's our counselor, our comforter, our advocate, our encourager, our intercessor, our helper. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit of truth. Well, let's look what Jesus says. He's asking the Father to send us another just like himself. What's he going to do, the Holy Spirit of truth? Well, first of all, he'll be to us a friend just like Jesus. Hmm. Now this might mess our Pentecostal theology. He is a person. He's not an experience. He's not an event. I received the Holy Spirit, done that, checked that, got that badge, it's on my sash, on my scouting, Christian scouting program, and I have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. No, no. He's not an event. He's not just an experience that you check off. He is a friend that you have a relationship with. Now, for some of us, it's, it's kind of easier to think of Jesus as a friend. And maybe we have a little trouble thinking of the Holy Spirit as a friend. But as you get to know him, you'll find that he will well define himself as your friend. And you'll find things out about him that you never knew. He is amazing. He's sneaky. He will blindside you with love. He will remind you of things that you forgot. 
And it's just at the right moment that you need to be reminded because of what the enemy's planning on doing. And he reminds you, and you now have insight. You now have connection and friendship with him. He will never leave you. And this is something that God's been trying to communicate to us from the Old Testament on. <laughs> I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How many times do we have to hear that? All through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth will never leave you. He is always with you. If you choose to put on the mute button and, and shut him out, you can do that. You have free will. You can, you can dissociate yourself from the Holy Spirit. You'll grieve him. You'll quench him. <laughs> there'll be, there'll be some, some disconnect in your relationship. But he's never going to leave you. You can turn your head. He'll still be there. He never, never will leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. You think how difficult it is to, to help the world understand who Jesus is. Now try to help them understand who the Holy Spirit is. They think the Holy Spirit's Casper, the friendly ghost. You know, they, they don't know how the Holy Spirit functions. Because even as Jesus was describing to Nicodemus the ways of the Spirit, it says it's like a wind. You can feel it and you can see its effects, but you never can see it. It's like... And because the world has oftentimes got an, uh, an attitude and a philosophy, if I see it, I'll believe it. If I don't see it, I won't believe it. And therefore, I think they, they choke more on the supernatural dynamic of the Holy Spirit in our lives because they don't see him and they don't know him. But in contrast to that, in contrast to the world, he says that you will know him intimately. Wow because he will make his home in you. He will live inside you. Does that sound like a good deal? Are you aware that the Holy Spirit wants to live inside you? He wants to dwell within you? Well, here's the promise of Jesus. He says, I'll never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. That's pretty good. Because most of us, we feel orphaned. We may not be literally orphaned, but emotionally and relationally, oftentimes there is a sense of not feeling connected, not belonging. One of the things that we find in, through the COVID and, and everything that's taken place is that people have lost their sense of connectivity. And as we try to do church over uh, the internet and the live stream and all that kind of stuff, after a while, everybody got sick of it. You know, they're doing work on the internet. They're, they're you know, making their purchases. Uh, Amazon Prime is going boncos and everything is taking place. And all of a sudden, church, who wants to watch a, an hour and a half church service on a computer screen that you've been in front of all week long. But the real reason was people miss the connection. They miss the connecting of being with other people. It's not so much my wonderful sermons that they just can't wait to hear. 
No, it's what happens before the service and what happens after the service that has really come forth. We need each other, we need connections. It's what's happening after the last amen that really makes us family and brings connection. And so when we're here with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we engage them on Sunday morning, and then we walk out the door and we think that we left them in the building, the enemy has just deceived us into thinking that God is just locational instead of realizing he's with us always. The omnipresence of God and the experiential manifestation of his presence to us. So he says he'll never leave us. He won't leave us, he won't abandon us as orphans. I will come back to you. And, and Jesus has come back to us, hasn't he? After the resurrection, ever since Easter, we've been looking at all the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. We've done a series on that. And it's just amazing all the times that Jesus showed up. And in Acts, we find out that this was over a period of 40 days before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And in my imagination, it's, it's not recorded in Scripture, but uh, the Gospel of Ricky is, uh, I wanna go to the seminar. I wanna go to the 40-day seminar that Jesus would have had after his resurrection. I would have paid attention. I don't think I'd have fallen asleep. After watching him die and be crucified and entombed and then come alive, I think I would have hung on every word he said. So those appearances. Then he comes in the, the day of Pentecost that we're getting ready to celebrate in a couple weeks. Uh, he comes to us on, on the day of Pentecost. He's, he releases the Holy Spirit to us and he comes and he is to bring to remembrance everything that Jesus said and did. He has been sent to the earth to glorify Jesus on the earth. It's beautiful. And then Jesus is going to come again. We call it the second coming. And when he returns. So he's really telling us, I will come back to you. Is so true. Immediately it was in the resurrection and the post-resurrection appearances. Ultimately it will be when he comes again in the second coming. Next he says, I will leave this world and they will see me no longer. They're not going to see the body of Jesus. He's, he's going to, to die, be entombed, and they won't see him anymore. But you, in contrast to the world, but you will see me. We will see him because I will live again. Once again, we're talking resurrection. And you will come alive too. We've looked at this in the Gospels of how Jesus as he's coming after his crucifixion, after he's risen from the dead, he's coming and showing himself, Thomas, put your hands here, here, see my sight. He's showing, he's bringing them to life. They're believing. They're believing the, the gospel. They're believing the Lord Jesus. Peter gets restored, and that's the, one of the last ones we've looked at. And, and in Peter's restoration, three times, do you love me? 
Three times Peter denied. Three times, do you love me? <laughs> yes, yes. And Peter is restored. And it's like, wow. And so oh, over these times, and we believe that probably at the, at the mountain, uh, at Matthew 28, as he's, as he's getting ready to depart, that's probably the occasion that Paul referred to as over 500, 500 believers saw Jesus at one time. The Great Commission, wow. To do the Great Commission, you gotta know the Great Commandment. The greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not love God with all my religious parts. We, we don't verbalize it that way, but many of us believe that way. We, Lord God, I love you with all my churchy parts, all my religious parts, all my catechism parts. I love you, Lord, with all my... No, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything that you have. It's like, okay, as we love the Lord like that, then we can hear the Great Commission. To hear the Great Commission without having the great love for God is, is really impossible. It's an assignment that is designed to give you a nervous breakdown because you can't do the Great Commission without following the Great Commandment. You've got to have, as we go back to the very beginning, loving me is the way to obey my commands. It's the key, it's the secret. It's gotta start with loving him and then obeying. Loving the great commandment, then receiving the great commission. We'll never go and share until we realize how much our love relationship means to us and to him. And when we begin to come to that revelation, then we move on from, from here. And this is what you'll know. I am living in the Father. Jesus constantly said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus is perfect theology. Whenever you're in a theological debate, look to Jesus. Jesus will always, always, he's perfect theology. You are one with me. Hmm. I've, I've just asked the Holy Spirit to kind of unpack that for me. What does it mean when Jesus says that we're one with him? What kind of oneness is that oneness? I know the oneness that I experience in my marriage relationship and covenant with Debbie, and I know the oneness that's there. It's greater than any other oneness that I have with any other human being. But the oneness, oneness with Jesus even transcends that. And it's like, what does oneness with Jesus Ask the Holy Spirit to unpack that for you, to bring revelation, to bring understanding, to open that up so that you can see the vastness of what does it mean to be one with Jesus. For I will be living in you. Now we're getting there. 
It has to do with dwelling. It has to do with abiding, remaining. John 15, all, all of those kind of things. As, as the branch abides in the vine, and Christ is the vine, and we're the branches. And, and there's a connection, but there's a connection in the sense that he is now our source of life. He is now the source of power that comes into us. Hmm. And then he says, those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Hmm. Sometimes that, you get a statement like that and you just kind of go, okay, I don't think I'm obeying his commands as much, so he probably knows that I don't truly love him as much as I should. You, you know the should, that religious oppression of I should, instead of just saying, Lord, you know everything, you know this is the level of my love. I don't know where it is, but you do. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. I'm just gonna say, Lord, I wanna know you more. Would you increase my capacity to receive your love and to release my love back to you? If I haven't received his love, I don't have a whole lot to, re to release back into him. But the more I receive his love, the more I'm able to release back to him the love that he so richly deserves. It's like, okay, I want to love the Lord. And one of the manifestations of that is, are we obeying? Are we obeying? Obeying out of a sense of authority as you leave today, and you hit Mount Comfort Road and you zip to the south or zip to the north. And you know, Smokey Bear is usually in one of these church parking lots waiting to get you with his radar gun. And so there's a sense of, I will obey for fear of financial loss. Or do you like the, the public humiliation of having your car pulled over? and the lights going on behind you, and all your friends go by and wave. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the early years of my pastoring out here at, uh, back then it was the East, Eastview Vineyard Fellowship, and I was driving from Plainfield, Indiana. I think I paid for most of the I-70 uh, super project the Super 70 project. They caught me three times. And since then, I've, I've gotten better. Yeah. So there's, there's the, the external dynamic that makes us to conform to obedience. And then there's the internal reality of a loving relationship that says, I could do that, but it would cost me something in my relationship with Jesus. There would be something that I would lose if I chose to do this that would really affect my ability to be close to the Lord. And so I start making choices based on love, based on relationship. So he says, whoever passionately loves me, <laughs> I love that, passionately love him, will be passionately loved by my Father. Anybody want to be passionately loved by God the Father? 
Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Passionately love Jesus, and boy, that'll get Father's attention. The more you express your uh, affection for Jesus, the more the Father, well, <laughs> I'm gonna be passionate about the one that's passionate about my son. And I will passionately love you in return. Oh, so now you get it from the Father. By loving Jesus passionately, you get it from the Father and you get it from the Son. You get it from back from Jesus too. He will passionately love you in return. And not only that, but he'll manifest his life within you. He will personally show himself to you. Hmm. So that was where I ended until last night and I was thinking, huh, look at verse 23. I stopped at verse 21. 22, Judas, not Iscariot, asked about why, you know, not the world, why just us are you revealing yourself to? And, and this is what Jesus says in verse 23. Loving me empowers you to obey my word. Oh, that sounds familiar. That's verse 15, exact same sentence. And my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. Look at your neighbor and say, do you know you're the dwelling place of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you know that? Do you know that? You're the dwelling place of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like, wow. It was really interesting, as, and I'll try to wrap up real quick here. But dwelling is, is one of the things that the Lord's been talking to me about, and I don't understand, you know, I, I, I've got an understanding theologically of, of dwelling and stuff like that. But it was like the Holy Spirit was just having a conversation with me, and he was saying, you know, do you think you do pretty good with people? And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm a pastor. I do pretty good with people. My people skills are fairly good. Yeah, I, I relate fairly well to people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know how to dwell? And I thought, mm, I think the answer is no. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit asks, the follow-up question is usually the one that he's, he's pursuing. It's like, no, I don't know if I know how to dwell. Because I find one of the things that the Holy Spirit's working on me is my hurry sickness. I don't know if anybody else has hurry sickness, but I'm always in a hurry. And I, it, you can't dwell if you're in a hurry. You know, as long as, as long as I think that there's time parameters or time pressure or something that has to be done or within a certain time period, there is hurry. And hurry is the biggest enemy of dwelling I know. And it's like, Lord, I need healed of hurry so that I can learn how to dwell. I need to learn how to dwell with people and with you. I think the more we learn how to dwell with the Lord, we'll learn how to dwell with one another. One of the things that I, I think is really important is learning how to dwell with your spouse. And it's like, but Lord, she likes HGTV. And ESPN is on, you know. How do you dwell with HGTV or the Food Network? I watch that, I think I'm gonna gain 10 pounds just watching the Food Network. It's like, what, what's, learning how to dwell. I think that's just a, an encouragement for us. Learn how to dwell with your spouse. 
Ask the Holy Spirit, how do I dwell with you? How do I dwell with Father? How do I dwell with Jesus? And how do I dwell with my spouse and others? I, I want to learn. And I think if we take the posture of humility, that's one of the keys that opens up the kingdom of God. And when we come humbly before him, he will start opening up and share some of the things that we long to know. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.